0: In the old city of Jerusalem in Israel, uh, where many of the events of salvation took place, there are several gates that lead in and out of the city. And one of those gates is called the Damascus Gate. It's one of the oldest architectural structures there. They've just kind of built a gate atop atop another gate uh, that they had uh, from ancient times. There's been a gate... They are called the Damascus Gate for at least since before Jesus was walking the earth. And perhaps the most famous person ever to walk through that uh, gate after our Lord Himself was a young man named Saul. In the Acts of the Apostles, we hear about Saul going through that gate. It says that Saul, breathing murderous. "...threats against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, that if he should find any men or women who belonged to the way, meaning Christianity, he might bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. And once he had such letters, Paul or Saul would have gone through that gate as he went to Damascus. And he would have been filled with hatred for Christians." And unbeknownst to him, as he walked through that gate, he would never return to the city of Jerusalem the same. God was working for Saul's salvation. He himself explains what happens a little bit later in the Acts of the Apostles. He says, on that journey I drew near to Damascus, and about noon a great light from the sky suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I replied, who are you, sir? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And that moment of meeting Jesus changed the man we call St. Paul's life entirely. It changed everything about Saul's life. He took that new name, Paul. He began at once, says the Acts of the Apostles, to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues that He is the Son of God. The first thing that Paul does after uh, encountering Jesus and being baptized is he proclaims Jesus as Lord to the very people that he were expecting him to hate Christianity. Over time, Paul comes to know the Lord more and more. He lives for Jesus to the point that in the, one of his later letters, the, letters to the, the letter to the Galatians, he writes, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Insofar as I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and given Himself up for me. That moment that he met Jesus on the road to Damascus changed Saul's life entirely. It changed everything. And the first thing it was on his mind after that change was to go and to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And he never stops. Basically, in every letter, Paul begins his letters exactly what we, like what we heard today from the letter to the Romans. He says something like, Paul, a servant, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the proclamation of the Gospel of God. The Gospel that Jesus Christ has come, and that he died, and that he rose again for our salvation. He's encountered Jesus, and he wants everyone to know about it. He wants to share his relationship with Jesus, with others. In church speak, sometimes we use big words, right, in, in the church to explain uh, very simple concepts. In church speak, we call what Paul is doing evangelization, right? We call, and I bring that word up because uh, I think I've shared with you my love for etymology, the study of where words come from. And evangelization has a really interesting etymology, right? It comes um, first, it originally meant, right, one who was bringing good news from a battlefield back to the city, right? It was referred to the one who had brought good news. And you can, you can hear it in the word if you break it down into its two uh, parts, you and angelization, right? Uh, you almost hear you is, the, is a Greek prefix meaning good, right? And angel actually means Messenger, messenger, good messenger, one who is bringing good, a good message. Though our English word "angel" has come to mean like just this a spiritual being that God created, it came to be that way because those spirits were so often messengers for the Lord. You think about what angels do in the Bible—they bring messages of good joy, of goodness of great joy. The phrase, the angel of the Lord that we hear in our Gospel today could just as rightfully be translated messenger of the Lord. Angel is the name of their job, not their nature. Thus to evangelize, right to to be a messenger of goodness, is to share the good news of great hope. It is to be a messenger bringing the news that the King has conquered That salvation, that healing, that joy is is possible. That the earth has opened up and brought forth a Savior. That the dawn from on high has broken upon us in our midst. Friends, Jesus Christ has come. And God wishes all men and women to know this. That message starts with Mary receiving the message of the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation. She hears the message of great joy first. And then Joseph, like we heard about in the Gospel today, he hears the message of the messenger who shares this great news of joy. And the news begins there, but it doesn't stop there. The wise men, they find out about it from the very stars. The heavens reveal the glory of God. And they come to see the newborn king as we'll hear about during the Christmas season. And then the message of the angels, which is made famous by St. Luke in his Gospel, or perhaps by Charlie Brown's Christmas special. (laughs) Behold, I bring you a message of great joy. For today in the city of David, a Savior is born to you, who is Christ the Lord. To poor shepherds. And throughout the entirety of history, since His coming, people have shared the message of the good news. In every generation, in every age, the message has been proclaimed. A message of great joy. In castles to kings and in the simplest of dwellings. In churches, and hospital rooms, in prisons and nursing homes, among families and friends. In ease and in difficulty. In every age, the good news has been repeated by those who, like Paul, have met Jesus. In dramatic, in non-dramatic circumstances, to rich and to poor, by rich and by poor, by those who are sick and ill, and to those who are sick and ill, to men and women, to young and old, this message has been proclaimed, has been shared. And at some point, at some moment, like Paul, friend, you encountered this good news. Whether you can remember the moment or not, someone shared the good news that Jesus had come with you. And if this is your first time hearing it, great. I'm telling you right now this good news. Jesus Christ loves you. He came and He died for you and He rose again that you might have life. He's conquered death. He is Emmanuel, God with us. My life is different. Better because I know Jesus. And if you know Him, I bet yours is also. But friends, think about that. That only happened because someone, in fact, many someones in my life shared about Jesus with me. They told me that he loved me and that he had died for me. The question is for us, friends, will we do the same? Will we share Jesus with others? Sharing Jesus isn't something complicated. It doesn't take great skill. It means inviting people to encounter Christ through an authentic personal testimony involving actions and words about Jesus, our friend. And this is what St. Paul does over and over and over again. He witnesses to how his hope is in Jesus and how he came to know Jesus. He shares Jesus. Paul treats a lot of things in his letters, right? Like He, he talks about morality. He talks about uh, the way the church should be structured. He talks about all sorts of things. But the one common thing that he says over and over again is this message. Jesus has come. He died and he rose again that we might have life in him. And like Paul, we can't keep that news to ourselves if we're to be faithful to our Lord. When we meet Jesus, when we discover who He is, why He matters, and we decide to become His disciple, we want others to meet Him as well. When we grow in knowledge of our friend Jesus, what He did and what He does still, we want to share Him with others. When we allow Jesus to live in us and us to live for Jesus, we want Him to be known by others. Sharing Jesus is not an option for us as Christians if we're to live up to the name. You know, today, friends, in our midst, there's three uh, people who will come into the fullness of the Catholic Church. Um, Warren, Dorcas, and Riley are going to enter into full communion with the church and at some point in their life like in some point in all of our lives they came to know Jesus and to follow him and decide that they wanted to live for him and to live him to live in them and friends today they're going to receive the eucharist for the first time and they're going to be confirmed and this is a moment where we have to ask, what's the purpose of those two things, right? The Eucharist is for our spiritual nourishment and confirmation is for our strengthening, our equipping to go out and proclaim the gospel, to spread and defend and share Jesus. So friends, we take this moment as a church and we ask, what does it mean to do that very practically? And sometimes we have the caricature Of evangelization as like someone coming with a Bible and hitting someone over the head, right? That's not evangelization. Maybe we have the caricature in our head or the image of a Pharisee, someone who's annoying, right? Who constantly condemns. That's not evangelization. Maybe we've been that person, right? Like we've come across a little bit too strong. But that's not evangelization. That's not good news sharing. But neither is being quiet, right? Sometimes we have the, the mistaken impression that, that if we just be kind and um, live, that somehow other people will come to know Jesus. It has to be both, friends. Sharing Jesus means using both words and actions to give witness to those words. It's offering good news. A reason for our hope and doing so in a way that invites people into relationship. It usually happens in friendships and amongst people that we already know. Now, friends, I just want to offer two opportunities this week that you have to do this that I that every one of us will have this week. First, who's sitting around your Christmas table next Sunday? Who are the people that are going to be at your house that may not know Jesus? Start praying for them right now. And start asking the Lord how you might be able to inspire in them just a mere curiosity about Him. Don't go in there trying to say, why didn't you go to church today or something like that. That's not going to work. But if you say, my life is different because I know Jesus, that might Right. Start praying for them. Reach out to them in kindness and in love because you care for them, but more because you love God. Who, how can you invite them to the hope that you have? One other opportunity there on that line is to take the bulletin this morning and maybe just give it to someone uh, that, that doesn't come to Mass on a regular basis and invite them uh, and say, hey, I would love... If you would come with me and my family to Christmas Mass, we're going at 4 o'clock over at Christ the Good Shepherd or we're going at midnight or we're going at 10 a.m., whatever it is, and uh, I'd love for you to come with us to Mass and then come over and have, have dinner with me and my family or, or whatever it is for your family, whatever you can do, do it. Invite them. Invite people to come and to encounter Jesus Christ. And second, the second opportunity I want to draw your attention to is to consider who will be in Mass next week. Who will be at 4 o'clock Mass and 6 o'clock Mass and 4.30 Mass and midnight Mass and 10 a.m. Mass. Friends, I know a ton of people in our community who don't normally come to Mass will be at Mass next week. That's an opportunity right there, right? How do we witness as a church to the life that Christ is living in us? How are we going to greet them? How are you going to greet them? And this is is challenging, right? Are are you willing to give up some of your comfort? Am I willing to give up some of my comfort so that they might come to know Jesus, right? And let's get really practical. Am I willing to give up the seat that I love to sit in, right? Yeah, Uh uh-huh. We all have a nervous laugh there, right? Am I willing to give up the seat that I love to sit in? With a smile on my face, glad to see that someone who maybe doesn't come to Mass on a regular basis has a chance to encounter Jesus next weekend. Friends, that's an opportunity. Start praying for those people, I I ask you. Start praying for those people right now. And start praying that our community might be a place where those people come, right? And they encounter such warm hospitality, such love, that they want to come back the next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the next week. The next week. That they want to encounter Jesus, that they get curious, you know, kind of maybe in closing here, to consider that, and just imagine, right? Right? Imagine the number of people that will come to Mass next week. And imagine if they came to Mass every week. What would our, our, not only our church, how would our church look different, but not just the church, how would our city look different? How would this place, how would Bryan, Texas look different if they encountered Jesus and came to love Him? This is the opportunity we have, friends. Share Jesus.